you got Problems that you ought to be concerned with Moolah You don't know how you're supposed to earn it Or what to do with it Or how to keep it You're a freak with a dark shameful secret But you're not the only one Get your hidden financial fears With a blast of sun Now your healing has begun It's bad with money with Gabby Dunn Hello and welcome to this week's Bad with Money Mailbag episode I'm Gabby Dunn this week, I am joined by our semi-co-host, Mal Blum, to react and respond to your messages and emails. Let's get... Into, into it. Into it. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. New new music every time from the musician Mal Blum. <laughs> what? It's just funny. I, I try to surprise you every time. We're breaking we're breaking new records here. Do you what know is what it that called? was? Releasing new records. What is it? A glockenspiel? No. A harmonica. <laughs> no. A piano harmonica. No. <laughs> a har a harmon a har a piano monica. No. What is it? What is that called? I don't know. Have the viewers guess. Okay, that's I can't fun. make it. E I won't make it easy for you. How about that? Okay. Well, on today's show, I'm going to read an email about Batman and incarcerated persons, an email about healthcare in Brazil, and Chris, Quinn, and Sarah write in about IUDs. In the second half of the show, I'm going to read a long email from a former Dave Ramsey believer, some messages about ADHD and budgeting, debt-free spending plans, and a lovely review of my book. Okay. You wrote a book? Here is an... I did. I wrote a book. I've never heard you talk about it before. I wrote a book called Bad With Money. I also wrote a book called huh. Stimulus Wreck. You should get both of those. Oh, okay. This is news to me. I also have two novels, and I wrote a graphic novel. So What's a graphic, what's a graphic novel? Is that like- It's a comic book, but they make you call it a graphic novel because you need to be fancy. <laughs> anyway, I've-, I've <sighs> I had three books come out in 2019, and that was really good, and then 2020 went to shit. So that's my fault. I'm sorry, everyone. Okay. 2020 was your fault? I think so. Oh, well. You know what that, that is? That's, that's delusions of grandeur. But in the opposite direction? No, it's like the same thing. It's like narcissism where you feel like everything has to do with you. But I know mm. it doesn't. I'm sort of doing what I do here is like an ironic narcissism. Yeah, that's that is true. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a character. It's a character. Okay, this is an email from Aaron. Gabby, I'm glad you're doing well recently and congrats on getting engaged. I emailed the show a year or so ago and talked about <laughs> tackling my life goals such as buying a house and completing my masters. I'm pleased to say that since then I've accomplished both. And I'm currently an instructor inside of a corrections facility prison while also Whoa. completing my reading certificate. It wasn't where I expected to be, but I am thriving and enjoying myself greatly since I started in July. Mm. It's a non-traditional role I found myself in, and I have been very happy here with my supportive staff and coworkers and family helping me along the way. There's a learning curve while I've started here. With the various students I've worked with, I feel like I'm making a large difference in giving them tools to help expand their options in life. While technically in a state-run school, quote-unquote, it is interesting to be in a place where individual freedom is restricted, but encouraging my students to think creatively in my classroom. Mm. Do you think you'll ever do an episode on incarcerated students? P.S. Wow. I heard your Batman episode. 
If you're interested in some media that explores that character deeper than the movies, I'd recommend the series Batman the Animated Series, Justice League, and Justice League Unlimited. I absolutely adore Batman the Animated Series. Uh, I love it so much. In fact, I was working, uh, when I first came to LA, I was working as an intern on a show called Elementary. And uh, one of the guys, I went to drop off the script and his whole office was covered in Batman the Animated Series merch. And I said, oh my God, I'm a huge fan of Batman the Animated Series. You're mu- you must be a huge fan. And he said, no, I worked on it. And I was like, I am stupid. <laughs> um, that was like a very big Hollywood moment for me where I realized uh, that I needed to play it a little cooler. Anyway. Yeah, I, uh, I wanted what? to have relations with the animated Robin. Oh, I, I know. Thing. Yeah. I used to love I, – I would put it on for these kids I babysat and be like, this is for you guys, but it was really for me. Anyway, okay. Aaron says, those all are kid shows, but they can easily be seen through an adult lens as more in-depth than they often receive credit for. If you're looking for a series that is made exclusively for adults, the series Harley Quinn on HBO has a bisexual protagonist trying to make it in a patriarchal supervillain world while recovering from the trauma of her abusive relationship. It's hilarious, has smart writing, and I have a lot of fun watching it. V slash R, Aaron. What's V slash R? What does that Ver- mean? Very reality. Virtual reality. And very respectfully. Oh, nice. I had never heard um, that before. So you, I am imagine that you've done something with like finances and incarceration. We did for-profit prisons. We did an episode about for-profit prisons. So they're interested in the finances specifically of people who teach in prisons? No, people who are in prisons. What, uh, probably what their options when they get out or how they have money, how they are able to have money in prison, what the money is used for, oh, things re- like that. Re-entry. that would, re-entry, yeah, part of it. I think that yeah. would be really interesting actually because we've just talked yeah. about it on a macro level in terms mm-hmm. of like we did an episode with the Marshall Project about for-profit yeah. prisons. Yeah, I think that I think that would be good to to talk about. Um, wait, what mm-hmm. does this person do in prisons? What's their job? They teach writing. They teach writing. Uh, they didn't say what they teach. They teach. Yeah. yeah, they just teach there, and they want. They said that they want students to think creatively. So maybe writing. I did some music stuff in a prison two times. Okay. This is an email from Beck Beck Muffin, who has emailed us before. Hi, Gabby and Mel, even if they're not in this episode. I know it's been a while since the relevant episode, but it's something I'm dealing with right now. My husband is Brazilian, although he got U.S. citizenship quite a long time before we got married. It's not as easy to get Brazilian citizenship through marriage. I need to live in Brazil for at least a year, at least three without the marriage to a citizen. This is something we've been planning, mostly hypothetically, for a while, but now we're getting close to the right time to do it. I'm three to four semesters away from finishing my master's program, which means we're a year and a half to two years away from being able to make the move. We finally started trying to figure out what our expenses and things will look like. There are a couple of bonuses financially to moving to Brazil for us. Firstly, my husband is a freelance author and translator, so he will still be getting paid in dollars. Right now, it's five Brazilian reals to the dollar, and it usually doesn't get lower than three. So things will be generally cheaper for us. Similar apartments in a busier city than ours are cheaper than we pay rent in now. Brazil also has government health care with additional private insurance for those who want it. One of the biggest deciding factors for us is the fact that we want to start trying for a child soon and giving birth in the U.S. is so expensive. 
Mm. Our Brazilian friends and family barely believe us when we tell them the cost. They straight up don't believe us when we tell them that hospitals can and do charge you to hold your baby. We also both take several daily medications and meds get a generic option much sooner in Brazil. Of course, moving out of the country will be extremely expensive. We will either have to pay to ship our furniture or replace it completely. The process to get a visa to live here will likely be difficult and at least a little costly. I'm also worried as a queer woman because Brazil is still pretty homophobic. But I'm a cis woman married to a cis man, so I can keep my queerness under wraps when need be. We're hoping that moving to Brazil will also help our savings, as the stock market since COVID has really affected what is currently our mainstream of income. We're both too disabled for full-time jobs, but not disabled enough for SSI, and my wealthy grandfather put a lot aside for his grandchildren while we were growing up. Anyway, I've been following you and Allison since the first Jewish video you guys did for BuzzFeed, which really spoke to me as a South Florida-raised Jewess. Thank you so much for such a helpful show and for being so open with your audience, Beck Beck Muffin. Very interesting. I don't know anything about Brazil, I've realized. Like, in terms of what they're talking about? Like- I didn't know they had they had government health care. I didn't know that the, um, the reels to dollar conversion rate. I didn't know anything. I didn't know that it took uh, three years without a marriage and one year with a marriage to become a citizen. I, I know next to nothing about Brazil. Here's an email from a former Dave Ramsey follower who loved my episode. Hi, Gabby and Mal. Who boy, when I heard you were doing an episode about Dave Ramsey, I could not wait to listen. I will try to keep this short. Feel free to edit for length. I won't. But I have thoughts. TLDR, Dave Ramsey is a garbage human for all the reasons you lay out in your episode and more. Backstory. I was an avid Dave Ramsey follower from 2009 to 2011 in my early 20s. I ran his debt payoff plan, went to his class, Financial Peace University, listened to the podcast, the whole nine yards. My sister got me into it because she was an FPU coordinator at her church. By the way, those coordinators are unpaid volunteers. They or the churches pay him to go through his training program and then proselytize it to their church members and communities. Free marketing for Dave. What a scam. I am a staunch atheist, but thought the financial advice seemed practical, and I tried my best to ignore the pervasive Jesus of it all. Pervasive Jesus, my new band. Okay, sorry, that was just me, Gabby, speaking. Okay. My husband and I paid off all our consumer debt in 14 months of the baby steps. So it worked for us, and I shared what we were doing with friends when they asked with the apologist caveat of just ignore the religion. I am so ashamed for recommending his program at all, but in my defense, it took me the better part of a decade to extricate myself from the conservative political and religious indoctrination in which I was raised. Now I'm a loud Dave Ramsey denouncer because he's a terrible human being. A few points you had about his baby steps plan. One, the gazelle intensity that baffled you comes from the image of a nature show where a predator is chasing a gazelle and the gazelle is literally running for its life. Dave believes that debt is so dangerous, his followers should work that hard to get away from it. Two, his $1,000 Baby Step 1 savings value was set back in the 90s and is absolutely too small today to weather any kind of emergency. Inflation is real. But then again, most Americans don't even have $500 saved for an emergency, so I guess it's better than the status quo. Sigh. He doesn't do a lot of updating of the program for current times for obvious reasons. He thinks his plan works for 100% of the people 100% of the time, so why would it need to change? That's the conservative mindset for you. Since then, I have grown out of the aforementioned indoctrination and have come to agree with the analysis you and Tori shared. Here are a few confirmations of your assessment. One, he of course thinks he's helping people, but his advice is only feasible for people like him. 
hetero, white, and middle and upper class. It worked for me because I'm in that demographic. But when it doesn't work for others, he absolutely tells them they're doing it wrong. He is woefully ignorant and does not believe systemic injustices exist, period. Two, he believes he is successful 100% on his own effort, which is especially gross considering how poorly he treated his workers and contracted service people during COVID and the volunteer marketing of the aforementioned FPU program. Three, his millionaire study. They don't publish the full data and results for a reason. During the time his research panel was collecting data, he was soliciting respondents on his own radio show, website, and media appearances. Therefore, it is heavily biased in favor of his followers and a flagrant example of his own confirmation bias. Four, he is staunchly anti-government and whines about how much he pays in taxes on his eight-figure annual income. He believes that the government shouldn't be doing any social safety net activities and that specifically Christian charities are more efficient and morally righteous servants of their communities. In reality, any help from such sources is predicated on participation in their religion and that on the whole, they, like Dave, tend to help people like them rather than correcting any systemic injustices, which is what the secular government is best poised to do. He only wants his money to go to organizations he has personally vetted and co-signed that will progress his own agenda. Traditional gender roles, authoritarian religious lobbying, pro-birth, etc. In addition to the obscene real estate holdings you talk about in the episode, he has his own family foundation charity through which he funnels money for these purposes to avoid taxes and spread his bigoted agenda. Five, he regularly guest spots on Fox News, which is very on-brand. He's good buds with the likes of Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, and Rush Limbaugh, may he burn in hell, and other wealthy hate mongers. I guess it's true that you become who you hang around with. Eye roll emoji. Aside from finances and COVID denying, please enjoy, endure, a selection of his other douchebaggery. Sarcastic voice, allegedly. One, he fires women for getting pregnant out of wedlock. No stories about men facing related consequences, predictable. Two, one of his biggest Ramsey personalities slash marketing shills, Chris Hogan, cheated on his wife while on business trips for Ramsey, and they forced him and his wife to go through secret marriage counseling through Ramsey Solutions for three years so the news didn't go public. Finally, he couldn't outrun it anymore, and the guy got fired slash resigned, unclear, and they got divorced. That poor woman. <clears throat> Woof, that's quite enough, I suppose. For icing on the cake, get this. After having zero credit cards for over a decade, I am back in that game because it's fucking impossible to rent a car without one. His claims about being able to rent cars with debit cards? Utter horseshit. Dollar Car Rental ran a program for a while under his endorsement, promising easy car rentals with debit cards, but apparently that wasn't profitable, so they ended it and no longer sponsor his radio program. So yeah, Dave Ramsey, liar, scammer, bigot, all-around garbage human, 0 out of 10, would not recommend. There are so many other great voices out there with advice that doesn't shame humans for being humans, including you, heart emoji. So thanks for the show and for suffering through one of his terrible books for our benefit. Thanks again for the episode. Hope this doesn't raise your blood pressure too much. Your loyal listener, Shelly. Shelly, that was perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thank you for coming through. Yes, me and Tori Dunlap did an episode about Dave Ramsey. Everything that Shelly mentioned is in that episode, but Shelly provided really great personal context here. So if you go listen to the episode um, after this, you will probably have like even more of an ability to understand what Tori and I are talking about. So thank you so much, Shelly. Thoughts, Mal? I, I think that, yes, I think that's all super helpful. I also, I, I think you could cut some stuff for length um, when you're reading letters. I don't know why, why you're opposed to it. <laughs> so, 
So I like reading when, all. I, what are you talking about? I Mel. I just when all, when the, when okay. the people write in and they're like, "Hey, listen, like you can cut some of this for length," and you're like, "No, I won't." I don't want and to. It's like, but sometimes you could, you know. I don't want to. <laughs> no, I understand. I don't want I'm to. I'm just. You don't. Ha- I'm not saying you have to. I'm they just took saying the time to write you asked in. me what Why I thought. Oh my God. So not, you didn't care about the content of the email. Let me tell um, you something. No, I care. I do care. And I, and I think she's right. And I also hope Rush Limbaugh's burning in hell. I also, listen, if you're going to shame humans for, for something, I feel like you can, I would shame them for being human. Like being a human is like a disgusting process. Like just physically, Stop. physically, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, like it's, I find it repulsive. Wow. Who's the heel of this show now? I've always been the heel of this show. You needed a heel for you. So I the came on the show heel. to pretend to be you. Ah. Um, okay. I'm of, not I, cutting people's emails. And also, there's a there's a, a <laughs> You don't have to. You an just Apple review that comes up in the next oh, no. episode, in the next mailbag oh, no. that I have a bone to pick with. And it also oh, has no. to do with how I choose to conduct my own goddamn show. Oh my drunk god. Drunk with power. Okay. You, always. This is an email from Kristen. Hi, Gabby. I've been listening to the show since the start, and I have loved every minute of it. It has been incredibly helpful to me, and I can proudly say I am finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, re my student loans. And my long-term partner and I are buying our first house, thanks in no small part to your podcast and its approach to taking the shame out of finances. I grew up with the mindfuck of thinking money was evil, so I should avoid it. So far to the point that I was willing to be a starving artist and buy into all the self-defeating bullshit that comes with that title. And that I must be an idiot because I was barely scraping by. All shame, all pain, no logic. Anyway, your podcast was the first financial advice I listened to that I related to, which led to much more learning with other rad socialist and feminist creators. Getting myself to not be ashamed of where I was financially helped me to get control of my money. So it wasn't leaving me feeling anxious and stupid, which led to dragging myself out of debt. And that made a massive difference in my life for the better. So thank you for the work you do. It's made my life better. Also, book rec I'm curious for you to read slash audiobook is the debt-free spending plan. Link below. Pros, it taught me how to build a budget step-by-step and really get nitty-gritty about it, and it doesn't feel as shamey as Susie Orman or other gurus. Cons, one of the major points of advice near the end of the book is get your parents to buy your debt and pay them back, as if everyone can do that. What? Yeah, that's wild. Wow, that's wild. How is that? But I do know rich people who have done that. But why? It's It seems like a... It seems like a... Because they won't have interest. Because your parents won't have interest. But like, I don't know. If I had... I mean, I. this is why I'm not a parent, because I'd be a horrible parent probably. But uh, like, if I had the means to buy off my child's debt, why would I then just hold it and pretend to have have their debt? Make you them know? pay it back. I know. I don't you make get them that. pay it back. I don't know. To either learn a either it's like... Shit. Well, the lesson is then like... I guess if you're going to take a staunch, like, you know, learn your lesson, then like they can pay off their own debt. But if you're going to buy their debt and you have the disposable income to just buy your child's debt, like I don't believe in imposing fake, you know. Okay. Well, maybe you don't have the, you can do it right now, but you do need it paid back. Yeah, maybe. Some people, I don't know. Some people have weird principles, Mal. I don't understand I it either, but some people I also have don't them. understand that as advice. Like everybody's parents can just like buy off your debt. No! That's such it's a wild. weird thing. Yeah. <sighs> Kristen Look, writes, mom, I, I saw it in a book. I can you imagine someone, someone going to their parents and being like, all right, um, 
So I know you guys want to put a little more responsibility on me. And I read in this book um, what I'm about to propose, which is you guys pay off my debt. <laughs> and then I'll owe the money to you instead of the bank. And that will but teach me responsibility. That. And people do that. I know people who are doing that with like paying off their house. And I know people doing that with with like rather than having interest or a mortgage, they just pay their parents. Interesting. I don't know. I'm sure that um, makes dinner conversations I just, not, not I, awkward at all. Hey, Mark, um, how are you doing? My landlord, my dad is yeah, my landlord. Yeah. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing super good. Like, I just got a promotion at work. Oh, that's interesting because um, you're late on your payments. <laughs> like, like, oh, Mark, are those new shoes? That's <laughs> because um, cause I, I couldn't help but notice that um, you haven't paid me $600 in a couple weeks. So True. Well, Kristen says, hi to Malin Beans, and thanks for what you do. It keeps me busy in my job as a no longer starving artist. Mm, that's good. I liked this email. Yeah. Good I'm energy no longer starving Kristen, artist You know either. what I mean? I'm just uh, going into credit card debt to pay for my psychiatric medication artist. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to talk about um, what happened yesterday with your breathing? Uh, sure. What happened? And talk about the insurance aspect. We went to urgent care because Mal couldn't breathe. I've been having shortness of breath on and off for a couple of weeks. So like, you know, you take a breath and you're like, you can't get the like last 25%. Um, so I messaged my GP and I was like, you know, could, you know, I've been like tinkering with my psych meds, but like that's been over a month, you know, it's like not super huge changes and whatever. I was like, could it be my meds? She's like, I really don't think so. But if you're having shortness of breath, like you should go to urgent care today just to like make sure it's nothing serious. I go to an urgent care. You my, have insurance out of state. No, I have. So I, I split my time between New York and LA, right? So I have New York state insurance. Um, and when I'm outside of New York state, any state, um, my insurance doesn't work unless you go my health insurance unless you go to an urgent care or like an er or something you can't go to a specialist or anything um whatever but urgent care is fine like that's mm -hmm. part of what because i travel i used to travel more i used to travel all the time for touring right. stuff so been on this insurance and like you know you need something that if an emergency happens in another state you you have your health insurance so i do um so she was like so we're in LA and she's like, you know, if you're having shortness of breath, you should go to urgent care today. Um, I have a, I have an appointment with her in New York, like in a few when weeks. When you get back, yeah. Yeah. But she's like, whatever. So we go to the urgent care and um, <laughs> they're like, yeah, um, we can run it through your insurance, but um, technically we're out of network with your insurance. So like, it'll it's going to cost like $125. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? First, the bad news. Mint is shutting down. Now, good news, there's a better alternative, Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it. That's right, I use Mint and now I'm using Monarch Money. It is very stressful, confusing, and time consuming to manage my finances. I've tried other finance apps, they don't really work. Like, you know, I was very committed to Mint and then I was uh, deeply sad when Mint went away. But now I have tried Monarch. It's so easy to use with powerful features, collaboration tools, intuitive design, personalization, constant product improvements. I mean, I really value a company that is proactively looking at how to make finances easier. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? 
Monarch, the top-rated personal finance app, also has built-in collaboration features so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. Can you imagine being able to have a budget app with your partner? That is wild. You can see all your finances. You can collaborate on your budget. You can get insights on your cash flow and reoccurring transactions. It's a very easy way to manage a household's finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data for Mint and keep all your tags and categories. Monarch is the most customizable budget app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. We will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash badmoney. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y slash badmoney for your extended 30-day free trial. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books. Getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all of your KPIs, key performance indicators, in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow, all in one place. If you have all the information about your business in one place, you can make way better decisions. And this is an unprecedented offer, meaning this is totally worth your time. As someone who runs a business, having all of this together in order to close my books, that would be invaluable. It's a time saver. It's literally the biggest time saver. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. That's netsuite.com slash badwithmoney to get your own KPI checklist. netsuite.com slash badwithmoney. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy, and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. And um, I was like, without insurance. And she was like, no, with insurance. And I was like, that's you running it through the insurance is $125. And she was like, yes. 
And that's before any procedures or anything. That's just mm-hmm. – um, Because you so wanted like, to get an EKG because you couldn't breathe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they, that's what – I didn't want to get an EKG. We thought you needed an EKG. She wa- – yeah. I wanted- thought you needed an EKG. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Me, um, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. Oh, I remember Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. I love her. Um, so I was like, okay, so so out of curiosity, like how much is it if you don't put it through insurance at all? And she's like, oh, out of pocket? Oh, that's like $99. And I was like, okay, so why – like I didn't say this, but I'm just like, why would you? Why would someone want to run it? Th- like the insurance. Like I know that they bill insurance higher, so that you know whatever. Like I know that places do that, but like mm-hmm. if the person's in front of you and you're like, oh well, if you go through your insurance, it's gonna be 125 dollars, and if you just like pay me right now, it'll be 99 dollars. Like obviously, I'm gonna want to do that, you know? Like right, completely ridiculous. It, it, it's it's because it's not like they're gonna bill you late. Like they're like it's 125 dollars right. today. Either way, it's like oh my god. Whatever. So I was like, fuck it. Um, so I was like, okay, screw my insurance, fine. And then so you they, paid out of pocket and it was less. I paid out of pocket and it was less. Even with the EKG and everything, it's less than it would have been just for me to like see a doctor with insurance at this urgent care, which I don't know. And yeah, I don't know. It's Everything's all very backwards. Confusing. It's all very confusing. And so they did the EKG and they did my lung test and whatever. And um, my lungs and my heart are amazing, apparently. He was like very impressed by my lungs and my heart. So He said your um, heart was a textbook heart. He was like, your heart is great. This EKG is a textbook EKG. It looks amazing. I was like, sick. Um, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have some thoughts. We have some uh, – uh, we have some leads – and now we know it's not your heart or your lungs, so that's good. Yeah, my heart and my lungs are great. So whatever my mental condition is, sounds like the body's going to keep going. I love your heart. Well, thank you. Okay, here is an email from Chris. Hi, Gabby and Mal. First, I want to say I'm a big fan of the show and y'all's in general. I do have a somewhat general criticism to offer, which is that sometimes I find your, especially Gabby's, tongue-in-cheek embrace of conspiracies problematic and feel Mm. that it sometimes bleeds into repetition or even endorsement of information that has not been rigorously fact-checked. For Mm. instance, in this week's mailbag, you discussed IUD insertion, and I believe it was Mal who specifically mentioned having heard this information on TikTok. As I'm sure you're aware, health misinformation on TikTok stokes a wide array of public health crises and should never be considered the last source of information. No, but it was an OBGYN. It's an OBGYN on TikTok. Yeah, I don't don't follow conspiracy theories on TikTok. The video I saw was an OBGYN showing what the process of IUD insertion is. And they, um, when they're holding your cervix to like put the IUD in, it, it, I mean, at least she claimed to be an OBGYN. Unless she's lying, I guess that's possible. But I wasn't like just like following people who were like, yeah, you know, like (laughs) IUDs are the devil or something, you know? It was Gwyneth Paltrow. You were following Gwyneth Paltrow. No, I'm very (laughs) pro-IUD. Oh, yeah. No, look, I don't think it's at you. I, I flippantly say whatever I want. Okay. 
In the case of IUDs specifically, they represent some of the most effective, long-term, cost-effective birth control currently available with many fewer side effects than other options. And especially since the reversal of Roe, they represent one of the safest options for people with uteruses to ensure bodily autonomy for anywhere from 5 to 10 years, depending on the IUD. Yeah. Circulation of far outlier horror stories and misinformation can completely overshadow what reliable critical health care they are for millions around the world. Okay, mm. Chris, but that being said, my friends did uh, fall out of her. Like, this isn't just someone I saw on TikTok. This is someone no, I know. They should be given their options of like, mm-hmm. you know, we can anesthetize your cervix or whatever. Like, we mm-hmm. can we can distribute local anesthesia. Like, this is come this comes up in the email. Yeah, like that that that's all that I'm saying. I'm not saying people yeah. shouldn't get IUDs. No. I yeah. didn't think you were. Which brings me to this fact. A good gynecologist will absolutely offer to anesthetize your cervix prior to insertion yes. of an IUD. Yes. Obviously not all gynos saying. are good gynos. As truly anyone with a vagina can testify, and it sucks that it's not always the case, but cervical numbing is absolutely something folks can and should seek out and ask for. There is no reason getting an IUD has to be a wildly painful experience. Really, in comparison to the monthly menstrual cramps I have without an IUD, having an uncomfortable couple days once every five years is nothing. Also, please let's be clear that an IUD does not pierce the cervix. The cervix is an opening, not a wall, and prior to insertion, you are generally given a drug to dilate it further. Okay. I know this seems like a weirdly specific email about IUDs, but I'm really trying to make a more general point that while your fans, of which I am one, love the banter and chats, offhand comments that aren't grounded in fact can and do cause real harm, especially in this era when so many people are turning to places like podcasts and fucking TikTok to get their information about things like healthcare. I'm not saying that's y'all's fault, but it definitely is the way it is, and we've all got to address accordingly. Thank you again for the cool work that you do in the world, and thanks in advance for considering this perspective, Chris. Yes, I I appreciate the email to clear up if there was misinformation. Um, What I was saying is 100% based in reality. When they clamp your cervix to put the IUD in, they pierce it. And so... And they tell, and what they often tell people getting an IUD in, inserted is like, it'll just be a little pinch. Like, don't worry about it. It's just a p- piece of discomfort. What should be the norm is that they offer to distribute local anesthesia. They don't anesthesia try to gaslight you, you that it's not going to hurt. Yes. And, and while you're saying like every good gynecologist does that, like the norm is that they don't do that. And I would say while there's a lot of disinformation on TikTok. I think that a lot of people didn't know that that was even an option until all of this discourse on TikTok because they didn't mm-hmm. know what the procedure actually was that was happening inside of them. I am 100% pro IUD and I think people should get IUDs and also be informed about whatever medical procedure is about to happen to them. And I don't know, I'm not sure like what our conversation was on that day. But it, I do feel like, you know, I, I feel a, a very real need to like clear that up if there was misunderstanding about where I stand on that issue. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't feel that I like do spread misinformation. No, I, mean, I don't know. Was, what do you it think? It was in response. I think we got an email from someone who had had a poor experience um, and we were validating that person. But This is the thing. There's two things here that stuck out to me. One is that in a perfect world, everyone would have access to a doctor. But unfortunately, sometimes doctors on TikTok is all people can see. And I know that that's problematic in its own way. But if you can verify that this person is a practicing OBGYN, 
Like, that is access that a lot of people don't have. Two, mm-hmm. two, is, is that I, uh, there are a lot of very bad gynecologists. So Mal's, I mean, I understand. I get it. Like, it is, I don't want to turn people away from from this. I don't want to turn people away. And the horror stories are probably, uh, you're right, very small compared. Like, more people are going to talk about when it went wrong than when it went right, right? If you get an IUD and nothing happens, you're not going to hop on Instagram to talk about it. It's just like being offered the numbing, right? And I feel that if you, you, and I don't know, I mean, after like 20 years of, you know, going to a gynecologist and having friends that went to gynecologists and stuff like I have never heard it be the norm that they offer to numb you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that that, and I would love that if that is becoming the norm now, That'd I don't think you can discount that the, if that is becoming the norm, that it's because people are becoming more informed about what the procedure is. And I don't think that you can extricate that from, uh, like, community sourced information, which unfortunately happens on social media like TikTok. Like totally. So I don't know. But I but you know, okay, but I maybe I did say Pierce or something because we have a second email that says, Hi Gabby and Mal, I've been a longtime follower and have been enjoying the episodes extra lately. I was just listening to most recent mailbag and I want to clear something up about IUDs. If everything goes normally, the IUD does not pierce your cervix, but rather is inserted through the opening that periods and discharge go through. They do have to widen the opening, which hurts. I would say that you have maybe 30 seconds to a minute of very bad pain and then a day or two of what for me is like what bad period cramps used to be like. I just want to clear that up as it's a good option for a lot of people who don't want periods, don't want their birth control to be taken away from them. IUDs can be used for three to 12 years depending on the model. So if you lose access to birth control, you still have a buffer or can't remember to take other forms of birth control. All the case for me. That being said, there is a small chance that the IUD Mm. could pierce the uterus, but it is a medical issue and not part of the standard insertion procedure. Okay, so my understanding- That being said, I am not a medical professional, just sharing my experience and what I know about the procedure. I was going to say, let's settle this right now. My understanding is not that the IUD can pierce anything, like if it's inserted correctly. My understanding is that when when they clamp your cervix to open it to put the IUD in, they pierce your cervix with the clamps. I mean, maybe it's the word pierce. Like maybe we're just the saying like clamping. The word pierce is what people are bumping clamp up against. Your- and I, I completely validate both Gwen and Chris. I think this was really important for you to write in about, and I really do appreciate it. No, it's absolutely. The Alice clamp is what they use. That's upsetting for people named Alice. It's not spelled the same. It, they're curved inwards. They're like forceps, and they're, they're used to hold or grasp mm-hmm. heavy tissue. So they... It's not like it pierces a hole, but it's it's piercing right. into your cervix when they lift it and widen it to put the IUD in. Right. So, but and so you should be allowed. You should be as a norm given the option to numb your cervix. You shouldn't 100%. be like it's going to be a minute of discomfort when it's like 100%. debilitating pain for some people. Hundred percent. Especially, I think for me, like a lot of this, I would be very dysphoric the whole time, and I would not like it one bit. Okay, Gwen writes, I also want to suggest an episode topic. I know you have recently quit drinking, as have I, and would be interested in an episode on the politics and economy of the alcohol industry, or even alcohol and personal finance, though I find the macro perspective more interesting personally. Love the show. I hope you and your pets are well, Gwen. Yeah, I mean, people, you know what's funny is I've mentioned it so offhand, but people have 
said about Just Between Us, my other show, that they want me to talk more about being sober. So maybe I will. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, I think I'm like a dry drunk right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know if I'm sober, you know, because like, but I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like work, I'm not working the steps or whatever. I'm just like not drinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Okay, this is a, a little bit of a nuanced IUD experience from Sarah. Hi, Gabby and Mal. I was listening to the latest mailbag episode and wanted to tell y'all about my IUDs. I feel like they've gotten a bad rep lately, and I'm not sure it's entirely fair. Yeah. I've had two different kinds in my life. In 2017, I had the Kylina, and now I have Morena. Having the Kylina inserted was terrible. I cramped for a full 24 hours and was stuck on my couch with a heating pad. However, the Morena was completely different. Literally no cramping and very little pain. I give all the credit to my OB. The doctor mm -hmm. who inserted the Morena used an ultrasound to make sure she was inserting it correctly. The OB who inserted the Kylina just stuck it in me and I guess hoped for the best. <laughs> Thinking back, I had ongoing issues with the Kylina that I'm not having with the Morena. I know not all birth control is for everyone, but someone is thinking about getting an IUD and is scared of the pain, so they should ask their doctor to use an ultrasound during insertion. It made a huge difference for me. I know this is a small part of the episode, but if it helps someone, why not write it in? Love all you do, Sarah. P.S. You can say my name. It's basic as fuck. Um, <laughs> yes. So uh, this is all to say, Chris, Gwen, Sarah, you're all correct. And people need to be more informed and they need to ask their doctors for accommodations. Yeah. I knew somebody who had the Marina who had a good experience with that as yeah. well. But I do think, yeah, I think it all comes down to being like able to having ask. or having a, a good OBGYN. You know, but yeah, it's, it's important to, to have access to IUDs and be able to get them. You know, I'm looking at pictures of insertion of IUDs now. Yeah. I mean, listen, is it pleasant to have your cervix clamped open and put something inside of it? Like, no. Um, is it sometimes important to withstand something that's uncomfortable for like a greater solution of something? Like, yes. But like, what if they just offered to numb you in general? Like, what if right. that was just fine. Or like that's all that I'm saying. I'm not saying people should be scared off from IUDs. I'm saying yeah. like, don't be scared to advocate for yourself and ask to be numbed before somebody clamps open your cervix. Now you can <sighs> also ask for an ultrasound. Empower yourself. Okay. Well, that might cost more money. True. God damn it. The local anesthesia would be cheaper, I think, than the ultrasound. But I don't know. What do I know? I'm not a doctor. I am. Okay. Hi, Gabby and Mal. This is a two-parter. One, how are you? I'm currently having an ADHD <laughs> breakdown because my work just suggested I might need accommodations with strong implications that if I don't, I'll get fired since I'm underperforming and screwing up their metrics. And I feel like a complete failure since I'm one of those good at school slash test ADHD folks who has never needed accommodations before. My question for you and your audience is, has anyone else accepted accommodations and has it impacted their career? My work mandates 60 to 70 hour minimums at some parts of the year, and I'm worried that my pay will be cut when I can't meet those expectations. I'm salary. Billable hours are the worst metric on earth for ADHD. I do have a good amount of savings, but if I get fired, I'll have to pay back a bonus that requires staying for a certain period after it is paid. And what if I can't get a reference? This is my first professional job, and I really like all the people here. It isn't their fault I'm failing. It's purely ADHD torment. I just want to stop time long enough to take a guilt-free nap. I already cried in front of my boss. Kill me now. Hope your year is going better than mine, Lily. Two, coincidence, I frequently have a two-hour drive between two cities, not a commute, and last Saturday I queued up a few things to listen to, the relevant portion of which was, 
Bad with Money Mailbag, 20 minutes. San Cristobal as a nice transition break. A random episode of Night Vale, which I haven't listened to in ages. It's important to note that the episode of Night Vale was chosen randomly. Spotify had not saved where I left off, but I knew it was somewhere between episode 50 and 100, so I scrolled for a moment and landed on episode 108, Cal. Not only was it a particularly good episode, but my socks were blown off when the weather for that episode was none other than the dulcet tones of Mal Blum singing Robert Frost. It means. This may sound underwhelming, but sleep-deprived me felt I was being haunted. And I, alone in my car, audibly yelled, Hold on, is that Mal Blum? Seconds later, the universe topped my coincidence Sunday with yet another coincidence cherry as it was exactly 10 p.m. and I was beginning to pass the local amusement park. This is relevant because their nightly fireworks show starts at, you guessed it, 10 p.m. It was glorious, especially since the show is less than five minutes long, meaning had I been delayed and speeding while driving, the exact right amount to unintentionally hit it. Lastly, they mispronounced Mal's last name as Bloom in the credits. Not a coincidence, <laughs> but I wanted to offer my sympathies as a fellow you not ooer, Lily. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> Libby. Sorry, Libby. Libby. That was the first time No, that- Lily. Sorry, Lily. Lily. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was the first episode that Welcome to Night Vale ever uh, put my music in. And since then, they've put me in other episodes and they've taken me on tour all across the country and Europe. So um, I forgive them for mispronouncing my name the first time they ever heard of me. <laughs> I also love this email. It was so like, it felt like I was right there with you. Yeah. On that drive, which I kind of was because I do haunt that amusement park. Yeah. And you're not a failure. I want to say you're not a failure. Yeah. Oh, right. The Stop content that. of the email. Wait. So does accommodations mean something different in business world? Because I don't know. Like, because if, if I was to take it to me in like accommodations, I'm like, good, they should accommodate you, you know? Um, and like, yeah, yeah, why are you being hard on yourself? But maybe it's that kind of thing where like in corporate world, they're like, HR is like, they're accommodations, but really it's like a write up or something. Yeah. Yeah. But if they are accommodations, actual accommodations, I'd be interested to know what the accommodations are and if they work for you. And and if they do, then I don't think you should feel bad. Yeah, um, right and, back. Let us know what happened. And yes, I have had accommodations, uh, not in a work environment, but um, I had a – I have IUD on the brain. Not an IUD. Uh, I had a – SAT. No, I IEP. I had an IEP. What's that? It's like a document of accommodations uh, that people who <laughs> have learning disabilities in school – in public schools get sometimes – um, it's like a plan, it's a plan, individualized education program. Right. Yeah. So they do that. So, uh, it was like midway through high school. I, ha I had an IEP and like, I was able to use, uh, I was like, Oh, I was, if I wanted to, I could get extended time on written tests. Cause it takes me a long time, whatever. Um, and, and, or yeah, those were my accommodations. I could, I could do get extended time on a test, uh, if there was a written portion or, um, I could do, I could use a computer. They would take me, uh, I could use a computer to, uh, whatever. Right. And, um, which was a game changer for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, they still very heavily like surveil you, like you're in a computer lab with other kids or mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but I remember my, I, it was like, I had to take a, they give you these like public tests, the state does whatever. And, um, my, I thought that I was just like really bad at history and really bad at whatever. And I think my history like regent score shot up just like being able to use the computer to type my answer. 
um, instead of like handwriting it. Right. It shot up from like 70 something the previous year to like, I got like a 98 or something. I got like a 98 on my. Well, that's why accommodations matter. So Lily, please write in and let us know what happened. And I don't, and, and you know what? People learn differently and people work differently. And I don't think that it's fair to punish people for that. Yeah. I mean, listen, if you feel, if it's the kind of thing where they're like, pressuring you or you don't feel comfortable like it's sad that at your workplace you don't feel comfortable like you don't feel stable asking for help like it is embarrassing right like like when I was like taking the history regents and they're like oh you can go in the computer lab if you want it's like oh I feel like a fucking loser or you know like Mm. I you know I want to sit here and take the test with the other kids but I know that I will do better if I just have somewhere quiet where I can like type my answers you know right but I, I mean, it. who care? Who gives a fuck what they think, really? Mm-hmm. Unless it is the kind of thing where it's like in corporate speak accommodations mean like you're close to getting fired, which right. I wouldn't put past. I don't know. Right. But otherwise, take the accommodations. Fuck them. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You don't owe these people anything. You know when you're on the – when you know when you're learning to drive? This yeah. is what I think about all the time. When the yellow light's coming up, you're supposed to slow down. You're supposed to stop. And like sometimes people behind you want you to speed up and go through that yellow light. But guess what? If you speed up and go through that yellow light and you get in an accident, they're going to drive right around you and continue on with their day. Like what they think does not fucking matter. It does not. It does not. You have to make the best decisions for you because they're just going to drive around you and go on with their day. Wow. Yeah. That was really good, Mal. Thank you so much. Final email, very short. Great book. Hi, Gabby. I just finished reading your book, Bad With Money, and I wanted to tell you that your writing style is so captivating. Even though the book has been out for a while, I binge read your book after taking it out from the library. I live in a relatively small city with only one public library. So seeing that your book was ordered, I know that there is someone out there within my little city that is also a fan of your podcast. Thanks for all Mm -hmm. the content. Lisa from Canada. Aww. That's so cute. Well, thank you so much to everyone for listening. If you like the show, please leave a five-star Apple review or um, recommend it to a friend. Listen to the show the day it drops because it helps us get on the charts. You can write in at GabbyIsBadWithMoney at gmail.com. You can also leave a voice memo. And you can call in at 844-474-4040. We're also on Discord, Instagram, TikTok, and Patreon. All the links will be in the description below. Mal Blum, final thoughts. I'm at Mal Blum on all social media and and places that you listen to music, M-A-L-B-L-U-M. Um, my final thoughts. Honestly, I can't stop thinking about my own cervix. Thank you to Gwen and Sarah and Chris for writing in. And now you can't either, can you? No, I'm terrified. Of my cervix? Of everyone's cervix. Okay, bye. Bye. Done.